You're listening to the West Side Podcast, a part of the L.A. International Church of Christ Family of Churches, worshiping God in L.A. since 1989. Well, good evening, church. Great to be together. Um, we're going to get right into things here because there is food distracting you right now. And as a middle school teacher, I understand a distracted audience. And if you don't jump on, you're going to lose them all quick. So, uh... Very grateful to be with you guys today and to be able to uh, kind of lead our thoughts in communion. So uh, today, the, the title is uh, Choking Hazard, and that has nothing to do with the potluck whatsoever. But you'll see where we're going with this in a minute. You know, a little while. This better? Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you, John. In a little while, we're going to be uh, taking communion together. And uh, communion is a very special time. I'll never forget when I first came to church because I never went to church my whole life. So I had no reference point for communion whatsoever. I was atheist. I didn't get it. But I remember when I first became a Christian, that moment of taking communion was my favorite part uh, of church by far. Because for me, when I read the scriptures about it, when I considered what I was doing, that I was partaking in the, in the body, in the blood of Jesus himself. That was deep. And I remember uh, being a young Christian, just so excited to be able to take it, and just so like just zealous about that time, and, and feeling, man, this is incredible. What I'm doing right now. It was so sacred to me. And it was so special. And I remember even praying. I'd be praying so intently. Like, I was just, like you couldn't distract me. I was like, man, I'd, sometimes I'd be crying. I'd be pouring out my heart. I'd be confessing my sins to God. I'd be praising Him and thanking Him for all He'd done for me. And really my soul was celebrating what we see here in Ephesians chapter 5. Amen. The Bible reads, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. Have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness. Amen. And when I would consider this time of being able to commune with Christ, to remember the cross, I would remember, man, I used to be in darkness, but now I'm in light. I used to be full of fruitless deeds. My life had no meaning. I had no purpose. I made no difference. But now, for the first time, my life could be full of good fruit. Fruit of the light. And that to me was so inspiring. My heart was very, very soft. Able to take in the Word of God and produce good fruit in my life. You know, the last couple of weeks we've been studying out the parable of the soils. One of Jesus' just most profound parables. And, and we've been kind of going through different conditions of the heart. And today we're without question going to be talking about the most sobering condition. The seed sown among thorns. Because to be honest, the first two honestly don't typically end up in this room anyway. When you got the hard soil heart, that's the one where the Word of God hits the heart and just bounces right off. That's the person, hey, you want to come to church? No, that was it, you're done. They're not going to be in the room. 
And the second one was around rocky, rocky soil and was, didn't have any depth to them. So they might come a little bit, but it wouldn't stay long. But man, the third soil, though. The seed sown among thorns, that's the most sobering one. Let's look together at Mark chapter 4. As Jesus describes this one in context of all the different soils, of course, conditions of the heart, he says, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. See, a lot of ways, these are people who've got good soil, but get choked out. They might even start off great, might even be there going. The word is penetrated, they're able to produce fruit for a while, but then get choked out. Maybe not dead, but fruitless. I want you to consider this evening as we're together, as we're kind of going through this passage, is your life full of good fruit? And it depends on how you answer that question. I know there's been times like, of course it is. I've got a great job. Uh, I've got great kids. I've got a nice house. Like, uh, i got good health. Like, things are going great. That's good fruit, right? Yeah, but what about fruit that matters? The fruit the Bible talks about that matters. Of course, the fruit of the Spirit. We see in Galatians. Faith and patience and love. Gentleness and self-control. Goodness and kindness. Is that fruit produced in your life? How about the fruit of helping other people grow in the same things? For other people to know Christ. For other people to grow in their faith and to know Him better. That's the way it should be, right? That's what Ephesians 5 is promising there about this this life of fruit. this, This fruit of the light that we're meant to have. That we're designed to have. It was never on the entire time. It just tells you how loud your voice is. I want to welcome you all here tonight. You guys have no idea what's going on right now, do you? You're like, I don't know. I think he's talking up there. You can tell I'm a teacher by my voice. I don't even typically need a mic, so apologize for that. You know, the older we get, the, the, the fruit in our lives should be growing more and more abundantly. When you think about a fruit tree or a vine, as it gets older, it produces more and more fruit. There's more branches. There's more on it. And it makes sense, right? The longer we know God and the closer we come to Him, our faith should grow so much. And our desire to imitate Christ and become more like Him, it should grow and grow. And exponentially we should see fruit in our lives. But we've all seen it happen Or someone's so fired up for a while, and they just kind of fade out. And maybe it's one of those things, I know, in my 20s, you should have seen me in my 20s. I put Paul to shame in my 20s. Back in campus, or back in the good old days, we have those moments, I mean, I used to be, and in our head we're still there, right? We think we're still that person. But things we talk about is how we can get comfortable. Or maybe get settled down. Or get responsibilities. You know, the Bible doesn't describe it using any of those terms. The Bible says you've been choked out by the thorns of this life. Choked out by three kinds of thorns he he talks about in this passage. The worries of this life. The deceitfulness of wealth 
and the desire for other things. I want to have my beautiful wife come up and share some things about how some of these thorns have grown in our lives. Um, I am um, humbled to think of all the things um, you know that God has done in my life, but obviously through the many years of um, becoming a Christian um, back in you know my early 20s at 21, you know I'm humbled to think of all the thorns that have choked me out you know over the years. Um, many years ago, I enjoyed a very fruitful. Um, vibrant Christian life with a lot of um, dreams and desires and uh, just a lot of great things that have happened in my life um, many, many years ago. And then I think there was always this, um, you know, the, the thorn of um, desiring desiring more. Uh, there, there was a time when our kids were young that I wanted um, freedom uh, we are a one-car family. We were very strapped financially. So I constantly uh, admired other people, like, I just want that life. Like, I want what you have. And because of that, it led, um, led me to uh, get a job um, based on money and based on me really wanting and desiring to put my whole heart into my job because I wanted money. And the job was the more I worked, the more I made. And then slowly, um, even before that time, I realized that my Christian acts were replacing my relationship with God. So I got a lot of satisfaction from the things I did, um, you know, in church or serving. And then slowly, over time, that actually became, my relationship with God became non-existent. And then I got filled up a lot by just doing things. Um, we bought things. We bought a big house. We bought two brand new cars. Um, I was able to, you know, do a lot of things. Um, you know, part of that was going out to dinner, you know, and it's interesting. My kids remember this time where, Mom, I remember you doing is going out to dinner and then just having wine, you know, or I would have drinks, you know, and um, social drinking a lot. And that led me to um, eventually you know, drink after drink after, you know, then eventually I couldn't even sleep without drinking, you know. And I remember that time of um, just being really apathetic, apathetic in my life, just whatever, you know, okay, yeah, go ahead, yeah, do whatever you want, uh -huh. you know, with my kids, uh, with my husband. It led to a lot of um, just pulling away, pulling away from my spiritual friends. Um, I desired just my friends socially, you know, because they wouldn't ask me any deep questions. You know, I'd go out with them, and it was a lot of um, just talking about nothing. And that's what my heart, that's where my heart was at. Um, because of that, it led me to a lot of depression, thoughts of suicide. Um, and the thorns of my life and the desires of the things and the deceitfulness of wealth basically were just strangling me. You know, thanks to the grace of the Lord, um, to my husband, and to one spiritual woman that put me on her, literally her impossible prayer list, um, I was able to free myself, you know, and, and really see the deep, dark parts of my life and restore my relationship with God and restore my relationship with my family. And I wish I could say that that was the last time I had to wrestle with thorns in my life, 
you know, as I've gotten older, um, those thorns have shown up in, um, in ways where it's sometimes hard and difficult to see. Um, I think the biggest ones are um, being overwhelmed with um, fear, fear of my kids, fear of, um, you know, a lot of times it's like fear of them turning out and doing the things that I did, to be honest. Um, fear of health. I mean, with my mom, she was, you know, hospitalized 13 times this year. Rick's mom has cancer. Um, my dad's been hospitalized, almost died. Um, just a lot of just fear to control, fear to control, fear to um, do a lot of research on things, and that can kind of control me. And I feel like even recently, um, a good example of this was a couple of the campus um, students were actually trapped in an elevator recently, this last weekend. And I did think it was my son as well. And so it just really led me to, I was freaking out. Like, call 911. Like, I was just, I was out. It was just ridiculous. Um, but amen, I, you know, got myself together. And I, and I felt like, gosh, why didn't I just, pray, you know, like I just gave into those fears so quickly. And so I, I feel like um, because of that, it, it, it's like those, those deep fears, you know, and fear to put other people as idols or my kids as idols. I have to pray about that a lot. And I've realized that no matter what stage of life I'm in, there will always be thorns that can grow and prevent me from bearing fruit for God. Yeah, it's interesting as we get older that the thorns change for us. You know, like what she was saying, like when I was younger, it was all about like stuff. Like I wanted things and I wanted to build my life and I, and it would be the materialism. It'd be like uh, desiring things that I couldn't have. And, and we were in the ministry for a while and we were poor in the ministry. And we came out of the ministry like this freedom, like, man, we can make money. We can, we can buy any house we want. No one's going to judge us. We can drive any car we want. And man, we went for it. I remember just drifting from God and not filling up on him anymore and just kind of just pouring myself into these pursuits and just these thorns that just choked us out. And to be honest, almost cost us our marriage. And nowadays it's interesting because as I'm getting older, I don't care about those things anymore. It's kind of funny that those things have no grip on me anymore. Now it's worry. It's the worries of this life. I worry about my kids, I worry about my parents, I worry about our future, I worry about, like, am I doing the right thing, I, I worry about having regrets, I worry about how am I going to retire someday, I worry about what kind of grandfather am I going to be, like, I worry about things that aren't even happening right now. <laughs> That's just where my brain goes, I just start playing this thing out 20 years, and it strangles me. You know, to consider the source of these thorns... I used to always think these thorns are things that attacked you. Satan just threw them at you. But reality is, all of these thorns, the worries of this life, deceitfulness of wealth, desires for other things, these come from inside of us. I grow these thorns. I am not a victim of these thorns. I grew them myself. They come out from inside of us, and they choke, our, choke us from inside. They're in the mind, and they're in our heart, and we grow them. When we fixate on things, when we fill our thoughts with things, when we look to the world to fulfill us, when we look for longing to, to want more, to be more, to have more, we become discontent, 
And we're just dumping fertilizer on the very thorns that are going to choke us out and prevent us from having fruit for God. We fill our minds with these things. We, 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 we binge on them. We binge on entertainment and social media. We binge on our, our jobs, on what people think of us, on our insecurities, the American dream, the next big thing. And when we do that, we fill up so much with these things that there's no room left for God at all. This verse in Psalm 10 has kind of been very haunting in my life up here. In his pride. And that's where it comes from. The wicked man does not seek him. In all his thoughts, there is no room for God. When I fill myself up on these things, as I'm feeding these thorns in my mouth, I can't even think godly thoughts anymore. I can't think spiritually. I can't lift a finger to help God's kingdom because I'm building my own. The thorns, the weeds growing up and choking me out, they, they make me miss out on everything around me. I can't be fruitful and I go right back to the fruitless deeds of darkness again. And I've done it again and again and again in my Christian walk. And I feed them and I grow them. Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1 if you have it. We'll have it up on the screen as well. There's this phenomenal passage where Peter addresses this whole idea of thorns. But he talks about really the root of how do we get there, but then he also gives us hope on how to get out. Because we know we can. And I'm going to start at the end and then kind of work towards the beginning here. Uh, because he start at the end, he kind of addresses the root cause. He says in uh, verse 9, But whoever does not have them, he's describing fruit. He's describing these qualities of growth and maturity spiritually. He says, whoever doesn't have these things... Whoever doesn't have this fruit in their life is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Nearsighted at best, blind at worst. But again, if you think about that, that parable, it makes so much sense. When we're so entwined, we're so entangled, the Bible describes, in our worries, in, in our pursuits, in our discontent, we can't even see God anymore. All we see is thorns. We're wrapped up. We can't think a godly thought if we had to. Because all we think of is what's in our head. We're nearsighted and blind. I love he talks about the bottom line. He says, bottom line, you have forgotten that Jesus has died for you. You forgot what you've been saved from. You forget. I forget. I can become so ungrateful. I can become so self-centered I no longer see myself as an unworthy sinner that, that just that God saved from this dark world, that's pulled me out of this fruitless deeds of darkness, has given me hope. I'll miss that. I won't see it anymore. I become entitled, spoiled, critical. It's the pride of a wicked man. No room for God. This is why communion is so important. To remember Jesus on the cross. If the root is we forgot, then we need to take time to remember. And Jesus knew we needed it. We need this time to remember. We need this time to reflect, where am I right now? What is happening in my heart right now? And can I see God? Or am I entangled with thorns growing all around me? He also shows us a way out. 
We're going to kind of start walking through now. This is in verse 3, in the beginning of that passage. He says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. What a great passage. This is a promise. Those moments you feel like, man, I, I need more. I'm discontent. I, I, I don't have everything I want. And he's like, no, no, no. You've got everything you need. Or maybe those times we feel victim to our own thorns. I can't get out. I'm all caught up. I'm all entangled. He's like, no, no. You can get out. What do I need? What do I have? You have Him. You have Him. And what if God is enough? What if this promise is true and our knowing God is actually enough? That we have everything we need in a relationship with God. And I'll tell you now, one of my convictions now is I cannot miss time with God. Because if I do... If my thoughts aren't on Him, then my thoughts are somewhere else. And I'm fertilizing something else that's going to grow up and entangle me. We need to walk with God every day. We have to know God. Not just know about God, but we have to know God. And be close to Him and talk to Him and pray with Him. And read His Word because it's all we really need. All the power is there. He goes on in the same verse. He says, through these. Through what? His glory and goodness. Through His glory and goodness, the Bible says, He has given us His very great and precious promises. That's truth. We have truth. In a world where truth is hard to find, we have truth in Him. So that through them, through God's truth, through His promises, you may participate in the divine nature. You can have a life full of fruit. Fruit of the light. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires, you can escape the thorns. By God's truth, His promises, we can escape. He continues on, he says, For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, to goodness knowledge, to knowledge self-control, and to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, and to godliness mutual affection, and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities, these Fruits in increasing measure. You're growing. You're maturing. You're intentional. You're getting help. You want to learn. You haven't settled. None of us are Jesus yet. Man, we've got a ways to go, right? That we're still pursuing. We still want to get discipling in our life. We still need God's Word in our life. We still want to get help in our life. We're growing. We're adding. He says, when you do these things in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive. They'll prevent you from being without fruit. In your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We've got to know Him. Personally, intimately, walk with Him, listen to Him, pray to Him, fill your mind with Him. Feed that. Grow that. Focus on truth. Not the worries of this life. Not the deceitfulness of wealth. Not the desire for other things. But God's promises. Who God is. His truth. Who Jesus is on the cross to us. The hope we have in Him. And the hope we have to become like Him. And when we do that, then you and I, Perhaps we could rewrite that Psalm 10, that very haunting, dangerous psalm. And it could look something more like this. In my life, I will always seek Him. In all my thoughts, there is no room for thorns. 
When you're full of God, you don't have time to worry about life. When you're thinking about God's truth, you don't have time to desire other things. When you're focused on what's right and what's promised by Him and on Jesus, you're not worried about the deceitfulness of wealth. You have everything you need and you are full. We're going to have some discussion time now before we take communion. Of course, we're sitting in tables, so sit, people you're with, you want to move around, that's fine as well. Let's take about five minutes. Get some questions for you to consider. Questions for now, questions for later. First of all, are you enjoying the fruitful life that God has called you to? Honest assessment. Do I see it? Secondly, are there any thorns choking you today? If so, what are they? Identify them. And third one, which promise of God can you claim to pull these thorns away? In our discussion time, obviously, you won't be able to go through all of these. Pick the one that grabs you now. The rest, reflect on it, pray about it, spend time this week digging in. You've got about five minutes to enjoy some great fellowship. I'll come back up and pray, and then we'll take communion together. Amen. Well, I hope you had great discussions together, and uh, obviously tonight you'll have more opportunity to talk. So uh, in a lot of ways, it's the beginning of a conversation that we need to have often with ourselves. Because the soil that, that, that has the thorns in it, is, it's good soil, and this happens to all of us. So everyone in the room, we have these moments where things are choking us out and they're, they're preventing us from seeing the fruit that God has called us to. And so have this conversation often, this time to stop and reflect, like what's happened? Can I see God clearly right now? Am I entangled? Well, let's go ahead and pray together uh, for our communion. And then tonight, of course, we have plenty of time together, so continue those conversations if you'd like. Let's pray together. Father, we are very grateful for tonight and uh, any opportunity to just be with each other, to be with you, and to be able to share communion. And God, we are so grateful and just blown away by what you've done in our lives, God, how you've called us out of darkness, how you've taken us from, from a life that was completely fruitless. And we had no, no chance, no hope to do anything really great, because without you, everything is temporary. And God, yet you've given us this incredible gift of salvation and light, where we can be like your Son, that we can be with your Son. And God, that we can have lives filled with fruit. That we can grow and mature and change and keep adding and adding until some great day we see you. Spend eternity with you. We thank you for Jesus, his willingness to come to earth, sacrifice on the cross for us, and just this incredible example of a fruitful life for us to imitate. And God, we thank you for your promises and for your truth. And God, to have just knowing you is all we need and we'll have everything necessary to have a great life. We thank you for the cross, for sacrifice there, for the uh, bread we're about to take, which is his body broken for us, the juice, which is the blood poured out to, to wash our sins away. God, we're sobered, we're humbled, but we're grateful. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. First of all, I want to say uh, great job, Rick and Heather. Thank you so much for leading our thoughts. We have, um, what a blessing to be on the west side, just what a resource of just incredible, mature, spiritual uh, shepherds and leaders, and, and just Carrie and I, we are very grateful to be a part of the west side. We see God working in powerful ways, and I want us at this time to be thinking about uh, the future. You know, when we give, and we're going to take up an offering to God, we're not on? Are we on? Yeah. Just talk closer. Um... When we give, we need to understand the why. Everything we do, we need to have a why. 
And certainly God has given everything to us. And the why is he's given everything to us. And he wants us to be responsible with the resources that he gives us because he wants his reign to uh, expand across the globe. And he wants it to expand across the west side of Los Angeles. And he's laid at our feet an incredible privilege to spread his love and his mercy and his kindness and his message of transformation and healing, uh, the kind that has transformed people like Rick and Heather. Um, and I want us right now, before we, we're going to take a pr- an offering, I want us to pray. I want you to think, in your mind, what's a vision you have of God working on the West Side? Maybe it's the old days we had an incredible Malibu ministry. And now, just so you know, they're having church often up there. The campus is down in San Diego. We had 60 students from our campus sign up. It was the second largest campus in the whole Southwest United States. And we, you know, and we have a long way to go, just so you know. We have a long way to go. A lot of that was our Pepperdine group. And uh, we have a vision for UCLA getting again to the heights of when Todd and Tanya were the, the heroes of the kingdom with UCLA stuff, which, which still reverberates across uh, L.A. and across all our churches. So many leaders from the days of this ministry being full of faith. Maybe your, your dream is the Silicon Beach outreach that we're kind of initiating. Maybe your dream is the Screenland outreach that we're kind of initiating. Maybe you have a dream of our teen ministry being just the most vibrant, growing teen ministry. Maybe your dream is that our marriage ministry is just reaching these wrecked marriages across uh, the western part of Los Angeles that we know the darkness descends. Maybe your dream is that the, the sharp professional singles, dreamers for financial success... Substitute that for dreams to change the eternal destinies of people in our singles world, which really the West Side is. I don't know what your dream is. You know, in time, we do need to have a geographic expansion and really, again, flood all the cities here that we comprise in western Los Angeles and all the way down to past the airport, all the way up to Malibu. I want you to dream. So right now, I'm going to pray. I want all of us to close our eyes. And as I'm praying for the offering, I want you to think... God, what is my dream? That is what these offerings, they go to build the church, to strengthen the church, uh, so that God can use our resources for his glory. Amen? By the way, please notice that you can download our app to give online, and uh, James will put that up there. I'm going to talk about that in a minute. So let's pray. Close your eyes right now with me. Father, thank you so much for the privilege of serving you. Father, thank you for um, having so much uh, that you've given And so many resources you've given us, help us to dream, to think as we give that we're doing something that could change lives, change destinies, maybe make a mark in eternity, Father. Father, we pray you will bless our uh, shepherding and stewardship of the resources you give to us. I pray you'll bless our offerings that we give humbly with cheerful hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. You've just listened to the West Side Podcast. For more information about our ministry, please visit thewestsidechurch.com or laicc.net.